Well, glory to God. It's good to have you all here. 1 Corinthians. We were in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 last time. We were in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was amazed when I began to look this up at how little I have dealt with just this one chapter. I dealt with parts of it here and there, but never really just have done a deep dive into this chapter that I could find of any time recent. So we're going to do that here today. Last week we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that despite their problems... Paul was thankful for the Corinthians, which you would apply to, despite your kids' problems, you should be thankful for them every day. Despite your relatives' problems, you should be thankful for them every day. Despite your co-workers' problems, you should be thankful for them every day. And you can keep on going on that list. You get the idea. Be thankful for people. The enemy is always trying to get you to say, well, the church friends I have, they're not this. The friends I have in the neighborhood, they're not this. Always trying to get you to look at inadequacies. Always trying to get you to see what they are not. But just enjoy what they are. And we, we talked about some of those way back in the, uh, earlier on in, the, in this series. Everybody in your life does not need to be everything. Stop trying to look for people to be everything. There are some people, they're going to do a particular thing in your life and you just look at that and enjoy it. And just, just be thankful for it. I mean, some people are not cooks in this world. Anybody want to say amen to that? <laughs> We're just not cooks. And um, people are not going to enjoy your cooking. I mean, just understand it. And, and, and walk in that. But other people are out there and they can cook up a storm and we can enjoy their, their cooking. So just don't, don't, don't expect that everybody in your life is going to be able to do everything. Some people are great listeners. Some people are great explainers. Some people are just a good shoulder to cry on. But don't try and make someone a shoulder to cry on Who's not? You'll get disappointed. A wedge will be driven between you and that person and you will no longer get the benefit that you can. See, the devil loves trying to get you to pull things from people in your life that are not equipped to supply that. And then when they become inadequate, then you write them off, you move away from them, and then you don't get what you need when you need it. So... Keep those things in mind. Be thankful for the people that are around you. Despite the good despite, and the bad, Paul was still thankful for them. I gave you this. If, any, if I cannot see any good in someone, then they will not be any good for me. Make sure you find the good in the people that are around you. He said in verse 18 of chapter 1, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Isn't it amazing that something that can be the power of God to us is foolishness to others? For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. When we follow after the world and judge people by outward appearance, by what they look like, what they sound like, what they smell like, whatever it might be, we leave the wisdom of God. You leave the wisdom of God. You cannot despise the wisdom of God and then call upon it when you need it. Cannot do that. If you're going to despise the wisdom of God, 
that's going to have an effect upon your life. Make sure you don't do it. Constantly in the Word of God, we see, see where the enemy tries to get people to focus on one issue, one thing. This person is whatever. And because they are that one thing, everything about them is wrong. This is the way it has been through history. This is the way it is now. The one thing can change, but don't fall in line with that. Paul is telling you just because one thing is off doesn't mean that you can't glean some other things from them. We reinforce carnality and, and spiritual immaturity every time that we allow envy into our thought process. That was one. Every time that we instigate or side with a cause that brings strife. Boy, we got some causes about that today, huh? Yeah, well, they did in Paul's day and they did in the Old Testament days and there has not been a day in this world that there have not been causes that bring strife. How many riots were in the Paul's day? They found things to bring strife. Every time that I stir up or become part of divisions, I am reinforcing carnality and spiritual maturity. Every time I limit my spiritual diet to the milk of the Word, I reinforce carnality and spiritual immaturity. Every time I alienate potential friends, I reinforce carnality and spiritual immaturity. Now resist and do the opposite of these things and you will find yourself pursuing spiritual maturity. In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I understand that most people who are doing those things think they are mature. It is amazing how many Christians think they are mature and are doing these things. Stirring up strife, but I, I'm mature. Well, I'm doing it because this is God's cause. Kids, little kids, who throw fits, who stir up strife, they all think they're all that. But you looking down upon them, you can see the immaturity that is there. Very often Christians are walking in great immaturity, but they think they are all that. We don't need to be doing that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything except uh, anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and of, uh, of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's a very powerful chapter. Much that we can learn from it. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with this great, being a great orator, trying to impress you with my speech, trying to impress you with the wisdom that I had. I didn't try and do that. But see, this is Corinth. These are the cities of the Greeks. If you wanted to come into the Greeks, these folks would sit around in the marketplace and pass the time by just hearing, hey, what new things have you heard? Tell me about them. And when Paul had gone over to Athens, he got into a lot of debates and a lot of persuasive speech. But we didn't have a church that he wrote. He didn't write a letter to the church of Athens. Nothing was established on there. So when he comes over to Corinth, he resists going the way that the Greeks want. The people in the city here, they want to go this way. They want to hear persuasive arguments. They want to hear great speeches. And what would happen in these towns is that people would come from out of town and they would get up in the marketplaces 
and they would give these great speeches and get people on their side. And what they, they are doing, and if you get into some of the Greek here, you're going to find out Paul is actually calling some of these people actors when he, in the book of Corinth, or the letter to Corinth. He calls them actors because they get up and they pretend to be something. They pretend to be something completely different. And they begin to get on that stage and they begin to act out what they, what they want to do. There's a movie. I, I love this movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I'll have to pull it out sometime and see it. How many people can remember seeing, not the new one, the good one. The one that's actually worthwhile going out there and see. How many people have ever gone out and seen The Music Man? Oh, I'll tell you what. You ought to go back there and see that one. The, the, the Music Man with, uh, I forget his first name, Preston. Uh, Preston something. Or something Preston. <laughs> uh, Robert? Is it Robert Preston? He was actually not the main guy they wanted to get for this thing, but I cannot imagine that movie without him. He just was phenomenal. If you get a chance and you want to sit down and just watch a good, wholesome movie, The Music Man is great. It is a phenomenal... I really enjoyed it. And he would come into town. This is what he did. This, he was a traveling salesman. And traveling salesmen today, they had something to pedal. And he would pedal marching bands. How many people never saw this movie? Now, well, that's a lot of people. Wow. <laughs> These are, the, these are classic movies. These are musicals. This is back when they actually wrote music for the, for the movies and the actors. They sang them. And, um, oh, my, I tell you, it was, it's a good one. I hope I get your appetite wet to go out there and to see this. But this guy, uh, uh, Preston, he would, he would play this, this director. And what he would do is he would come into the town and he would sell people on the concept of getting a marching band. And what he had to do is he had to find a problem in the city. And get everyone to focus on the problem. And the way that we solve the problem is to have a marching band. <laughs> because we're going to take all of their effort that they're putting into trouble. And in this particular movie, the problem was the pool hall. It is phenomenal, the song he sings on, on that. But he, the problem was the pool hall. And so he showed all these people, you've got, you got a big problem here. Big problem in town. Big problem. Oh, what is it? Trouble. The trouble in... Oh, right here in River City. <laughs> right, right here in River City. <laughs> oh, it's great. And so he, would, he got everybody in the town singing the song. And everybody in the town is now focused on the problem that they didn't even know they had five minutes ago. <laughs> and now everything has to be about getting this. So in order to have a marching band, you need instruments. And he sells instruments. And then, of course, once we get used to the instrument... Then we have to sell them a uniform because everybody's got to be wearing a uniform. And so he sold them the uniforms. And his whole deal was he would get out of town before we actually had to have the, the band perform and go on to the next town. And oh, it's a, the only problem was he fell in love with somebody. And What was the name of the lady? Do you remember? Is it Shirley? Shirley Jones. Shirley Jones. She was, uh, she was the lead lady in this, this thing. She was a librarian. Oh, I'll tell you what, if you want a good movie, go on back home there and, and, and see that one. The music is phenomenal. But here's the message. What they were doing in that day was the same thing they were doing in this movie. Someone would come in and try and sell you something. Something that you didn't know you needed. Now all of a sudden you cannot get by without it. 
And Paul said, I didn't come in there trying to sell you anything. I didn't come in trying to perform. I didn't come in and try and give you persuasive words. I didn't try and sell you on things that you didn't need. I came in in demonstration of the power of God. Because up till now, what these folks have been exposed to is great philosophy and people selling them things they didn't need and demonic power. There's a huge difference between divine power and satanic power. I was rereading the book uh, this week, Lester Summerall's life story, and uh, he talks about some of the encounters he had uh, with the with the enemy and the darkness, the power of darkness, and some of the things that they were doing to try and be positive, and they were selling people on, you know, where what we do, we do by good spirits to come after the bad spirits. And when Lester came in the scene, he showed them what the power of God was like. If you've ever heard the story of... How many never heard of Lester Summerall? Well, less people than the, than the music man. <laughs> Lester Summerall is one of the most gruff and probably the ugliest preacher you will ever see. First time I saw him, I said, man, this man is ugly. And he is. He, he, I, I don't know what it is, but he's powerful. Powerful. He sat under Howard Carter, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, and uh, other. I think there's other ones too, but uh, he came in and changed entire countries because he let divine power meet satanic power. And this is what Paul is encountering here. There's a lot of satanic power in, and he comes in with divine power. And it was so impactful in Corinth that a very powerful uh, church was built there. This is one of the most important congregations of the day. Ephesus is probably the, number, the most important one. But Corinth is up there. And this is the church that was caught up in flesh, carnality, and spiritual maturity. But they were able to, to overcome. He said, when I come to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We're coming in with a basic message. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. If you're wondering why in the world is he saying that? Why is he talking about coming in weakness and fear and much trembling? It's simply this. He just, this is my uh, surmising of this anyway. He just came from Athens. In Athens, he had no success. Here he is in Corinth. And he can be thinking, if I have another time when I don't have any great success, what is that going to do for the gospel? And he feels responsible for this. And he knows, he, I came, a, I came a, into Athens the wrong way. I can't do the same thing here. Because when he came into Athens, the people were pulling on him going in a certain direction, and he went that way. But he said, no, I've got to resist that. I've got to go in the way God wants me to go, not the way the people want or the way the people expect. And so he did that, and this church was established there. But my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Too many people, too many Christians, not just these are heathens before, but too many Christians are persuaded by human wisdom and not by the demonstration of the Spirit and power. You can see this throughout our history here as a country, and you can even go beyond before that, but certainly right now. The wisdom of God gives you one view of sickness and disease. 
And we've got a bunch of bozos who doctored uh, reports and doctored things and got people to believe in something that was never true. Now, I've never told you that the virus won't kill anybody. Never told you that. What I told you was it's not the problem that they say. It's not the issue that they try and make it. And way back before we closed everything down, we went through and we showed you just from a, a pathological st standpoint, just from the biological standpoint, what this thing is, what is going, what it cannot do, because we're not going to be in fear of it. I don't walk in fear of it. Somebody's going to say, oh, I've got, I don't care. You got tested for something, you don't really don't know what you have. But it doesn't matter, because my God, in Jesus Christ, walked up the lepers. <laughs> he didn't have any fear about them. He walked up the lepers. He walked into a whole group of sick people and just started laying hands on them. Was he concerned? Then why in the world are we? Because some bozos want to try and say that their science says this. And then, of course, it's all unraveling anyway. Their science is kind of falling apart. But stay on the side of God. Don't give in to human reasoning. Don't give in to it. It's a, it amazes me how much Christians would believe people in the world faster than they would believe God. But what is your faith in? Now, Paul was very successful here. He established a very strong church. He showed them some things that they don't normally see. And this, uh, this impacted them. I put this in your outline. Paul had made the case that we should not be aligned or identified with the preacher. He did that back in chapter 1. So here he came into them in a way to get them identified with the work of Jesus. He wants them to see the power of God. He wants them to see the, the healings, the miracles that Jesus would do. The demon spirits can't do it this way. And when they did heal people, it wasn't lasting and there wasn't the peace that came with it. So Paul wants them to remember how he came to them. Now I put this in your outline for you. Is my faith, if my faith is in the wrong thing, whatever trial I go through will not mature me. You can go through, people go through trial after trial. If going through trials would mature Christians, everyone should be all grown up. The reason it doesn't mature is because our faith is in the wrong thing. Now, when you've got little kids, we can see this in the, in the little kids. You've got little kids, and they go through trials. What's a trial for a little kid? Someone took my toy. My toy broke. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. You, you name it. These are the, this, isn't it a trial? When a little kid is tired, tired, is it not a trial? It becomes a trial for you. Some of them fight sleep. If somebody broke their toy, is it not a trial? Absolutely. Somebody took their toy. It is a trial. If I don't have the toy that I want, it's a trial. These are all things that become trials for them. Doesn't make them become mature. Not as long as they act selfishly. Not as long as they don't, don't, don't allow the trial to help them grow. But there are some kids out there, they let the trial help them grow. Well, I, I can go without this for, for a little while. Mommy, is there something I can help you with? Oh, that's a maturing thing. You see, that trial is going to produce some maturity in that child. Many Christians are going through trials, but they're not becoming mature because their faith is in the wrong thing. Don't put your faith in men. They'll disappoint you.
Don't let you down. Verse 6, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. We're not talking spiritual, uh, supernatural type of rulers. We're talking about the rulers, the people that rule the world. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and there is debate over but there's a lot of reasons why this is the physical human rulers that are here. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. Some people, some Christians, some teachers, some ministers will go out and preach the wisdom of this age. Paul said, no, we're not doing that. We're not even preaching things that the rulers of this age want. How many churches are out there preaching things that the rulers of this age agree with? And they don't want any fuss. So they preach that wisdom. And they do those particular things. Uh-uh, we're here to stand up against the, the wisdom of the world. Not to give in to it. We don't, we don't give in to that here. And I know none of you do either. We don't give in to that worldly wisdom that men can be girls and girls can be boys. We don't give them any uh, wisdom that, that uh, boys can use girls' rooms. Uh-uh. No, I'm smart enough to know a girl and a boy. In fact, I am smart enough to know that when I'm out running and I see somebody a quarter mile down the road, I can generally tell if it's a girl or a boy. <laughs> a quarter mile down the road. These people can't even tell right up close. Why am I going to follow after your wisdom? Not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. They're coming to nothing. They look like something now. A Dr. Fauci might look like something now. But he is coming to nothing. He is basing everything he has on foolishness. And if anyone knew the history of the man, they would know this is not the first time he's pulled this off. I didn't believe a word that he said when he came up under Trump. When he came to, to, I knew then he was a liar. And he still is. It's the wisdom of this world. It will come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This is not talking about satanic forces wouldn't have done this. This is talking about the people who nailed Him to the cross. The people who said, crucify Him. The people who said to Pilate, you are no friend of Caesar if you let Him live. Those are the people. They would not have done it if they would have known where this, came, where this was going. You see, they couldn't understand the mysteries of God. They couldn't understand the wisdom of God. They were caught up in the wisdom of men. These are the spiritual leaders of the day. If you are caught up with the wisdom of men, what can you teach the people that are under you? And what kind of development will you gain for the people that are under you? It is disastrous what is going on. And Paul dealt with this. He had a lot of people in his day who preached according to the wisdom of the world. Now this... Uh, this word he's using here, mature, is a Greek word that means to bring to its end, finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness or perfect. It does not mean a state of perfection. 
It is talking about the process of coming from where you are to a place of maturity or a place of being finished. This is a process that we go through. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. There are people that are, that are mature and he can speak this wisdom to them. He cannot speak this wisdom to everybody who is born again because some of them, all they can do is handle the milk. The wisdom of God comes to the mature. It is the meat of the Word of God. This is what will make you more mature. This is what we need to have. Romans 12, 2, using this word, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You all know this verse. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect. That is that word right there. Perfect will of God. Something that is brought to its end. Finished. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Colossians 4 and verse 12. If Paphos, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That you may stand, there's that word, it's translated mature in Corinthians, translated perfect here, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. But Paul can only speak wisdom to the mature. Just think of those little kids. You could explain great principles of maturity to them and they wouldn't get it. They just say, does that mean I can't eat right now? Does that mean I can't have that toy? That's Because they can't, they can't understand all the rest of it. That's where some Christians are. Now Paul was mature enough to hear the wisdom of God. He was mature enough to hear it. Not all teachers were in his day or in our day. But he was mature enough to hear it and therefore could teach it. But only the mature could hear it. That's why we need to get mature. The more mature I get, the more wisdom of God I can hear. So what kind of things are the immature teachers hearing? And Paul had a lot of them. He named some of them. Are they presenting it with the persuasive wisdom of the world? When they get out there and these immature teachers, they're going to teach, are they using the persuasive wisdom of the world? You listen to some of these people. I'll, I'll name you one. Not, not a teacher. But uh, a topic, how many of you know about that um, ultra grace that goes around? That's garbage straight out of the pit of hell. I know people who teach it. I won't listen to a, a single word that they say. Because if you're giving into that kind of falseness, I don't know what else you're going to be giving into. And I won't listen to it. Ultra grace. Everybody is saved. No matter what. God saved. He died for all. Therefore, all are saved. And they actually go so far as to say, no matter what you do in this life, you will be saved. Right out of the pit of hell. Big names are preaching it. I remember one uh, big name, big name preacher down in Tulsa got off on this thing. Had a huge church, several thousand. Got off on this and people started leaving. I mean, that church was so good when we would go down there and visit in Tulsa, we would take people to go see them. And uh, just got off on that. And uh, There's others too that follow after this. It's, It's right out of the pit of hell. There's things that are taught on the end times straight out of the pit of hell to get people distracted. They're not according to the wisdom of God. Paul tells you, when he, he says, I teach you things on these, the end times to bring you comfort. There's a whole lot of things people are teaching in the area of end times that does not bring comfort. Gets you upset, scared, unsettled. It's not God. 
If you understand what God is saying, it brings comfort to those who hear. But they'll present it with persuasive wisdom of the world. We got a lot of that going on here today. Now, what kind of growth will you see? Such teaching, you're not going to see maturity. You're going to see people that are reinforced in their carnality and people that are reinforced in their spiritual immaturity. How many churches in America have people in them that are perfectly fine with living homosexual lifestyles, getting men married to men, women married to women, in the church, pastor does the wedding ceremony, people that are living together, people that have shunned marriage, people that are just going their own direction, doing whatever they want to do, and they will bring out for them teachers who will teach them that this is okay. It went on in Paul's day, it went on to the, goes, goes on today, and it went on, on all the time in between. It is nothing new. It's not a sign of the end times. It is a sign of the times. <laughs> it's just, it has been going on. The devil loves to bring this stuff in. Verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now this is what it says, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There's a whole lot of people who take this one verse, pull it right out, and begin to quote it. And they completely miss what Paul is getting at. Paul is saying this is what was written. This was written. I has not seen. Well, no one can know the ways of God. Nor has ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Well, we just can't know all the things that God has for us. We can't know why God let this happen in our life. But for some reason, in his wisdom, he's allowed this to happen. And uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And they'll quote this and people will go, Amen, Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it, sister. Come on. Because they can identify with it. But they don't talk about the verses before and they don't talk about the verses after. Because you can't. Because you know what happens after this? But God. But God. In other words, but God does something else. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Oh, so it's not hidden. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all the things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. doesn't mean you can't know it. It just means it's the Spirit of God who knows it. Who's inside of you? The Spirit of God. Therefore, you can know it because He knows it. And he'll tell you, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. He did not make his home in them. He came upon them. But now in the New Testament, he makes his home in you. We talked about that on Wednesday night. He is dwelling with you. He makes his home in you. He's dwelling there. That means when he finds out something, when he delves into the mind of God, he can share it with you. And he will, he'll tell you. This is what Paul is talking about. But God. But 
God, he'll, he'll, he'll do this for you. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. He, he's in the revelation business. He wants to reveal things to you. Now, understand this. God speaks to people. How many, let's put it this way. How many people have something in your life you need the wisdom of God on? Something in your body needs to be healed. Something in your body needs to be fixed. Wisdom on a, on a job. Wisdom on finances. Wisdom on family matters. We can keep on going. You need wisdom on something. Now, if you need wisdom, you want wisdom from God. And too many Christians are on both sides of their mouth on this thing. I'm asking God, God, give me wisdom. And then when I hear minister so-and-so say, God gave me wisdom on how I need to get an airplane. Oh, that's just frivolous. Oh, oh, oh. You shouldn't be doing that. When God shows somebody, you need to build this building. No, oh, you, you don't need a building like that. And you see, we judge the wisdom of God that they have. You cannot stand around and judge the wisdom of God He's given to other people and then expect God to give it to you. Because God is sitting up there saying, why is it that you can't understand that I spoke to my servant and told him to do that? And that shuts off the power of God to us. You know, Creflo Dollar is out there. He needed a plane for what he's doing. Now, I don't need a plane for what I'm doing. I'm not believing God for a plane. I, I am completely content being your pastor. Totally content. I don't need to be flying around the world. It has no appeal to me. It has zero appeal. I don't want to go all around the world, jump into a congregation and teach them one time and go off into someplace else. It has no appeal to me. I don't. I, I say, God, if you called me to that, I'd probably go home early. <laughs> and I would. You see, because I love the way you folks are. You, 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 you want the, the depth of something. So we get into something and we're on it for how many weeks? 20 weeks. 25, 30. We've been on something for 50 weeks. You can't go somewhere and teach that. <laughs> but there are people that uh, they go in, they're in there one time, one night, and then they're going into another spot. And they're fulfilling what God called them to do. I couldn't fulfill what God called me to do doing that. But there are people that do that and that need to, to minister that way. And if God tells Brother Jesse, Brother Creflo, whoever it might be, that they need an airplane, they need a jet plane to do the things that they're doing, well, glory to God. You operate in the wisdom of God that He gives you. God didn't speak that to me because that's your wisdom for your situation. And I'm not going to speak against it. I told you some of the things, brought you along the process on, on a number of times when God has given me uh, wisdom on how to get healing on different things that were going on in my body. I told you before, the doctors told me, you'll never run again. That was uh, back in 2017. I am already this month at 250 miles for this one month. I'll be about 350 by the time I finish it. Not bragging on me. All I did was listen. God told me, do this, do this, do this. Never went back to that doctor who said you can't run ever again. Never did go back to him. Didn't need, didn't need that wisdom. But God gave me wisdom. It wasn't a, it wasn't a process that was over in a week. Y'all know I brought you through it. it. Took about two years. Glory to God. He'll give you wisdom. 
But if you despise the wisdom that, someone, that God gives to someone else, how is God going to be able to give it to you? Don't ever judge it. I don't judge it. It's not for me to do. That's God's servant. They, they follow the wrong, wrong direction. God will take care of it. He sure don't need me to step in there. But get out of verse 9, where a lot of Christians like to live. And get over in verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Well, that Spirit of God knows the things of God. Now, how many things does God know? He knows it all. And He'll reveal for you what you need. But if God knows it all, He knows what you should do, what you actually will do. He knows where you'll end up. He knows where you should have ended up. And God says, I knew you were going to make that mistake. It's okay. I made provision for it. When Abraham went down to Egypt, I knew he was going to do that. That's not what I wanted him to do. But that's okay. We made provision to get him back. When they had uh, Ishmael, well, that wasn't my will for him. But I knew he was going to do that. And I made provision to take care of that. So even knowing that you made a mistake, God didn't plan for you to, He didn't want you to make the mistake. He didn't move you to make the mistake. You made the mistake, but God says, that's all right. We'll bring you back. <laughs> He's good that way. But you got to yield to Him. You got to listen. So God is operating this way now. This is a, these are the deep things. These are, these are the things that man's wisdom can't touch. No matter what you've got going on in your body, no matter what it is, God has a way to fix it. And get to, I've said this to you before. I'll say it to you a bunch of more times too. If God is telling you to do something, number one, it means you can. And number two, it means it's not too late. Well, God, I know you've been telling me to do this for a while. I'm sure it's too late now. No, if he is still telling you to do it, it is not too late. It's still in time. If he's telling you to do it, yes, yes, God, I'll do it. It's just better to obey now than a week from now. But if he's talking to you, then that's because there's still time. Now, we have, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. There is plenty of spirit of the world. There's plenty of wisdom that's out there in the world. There's lots of people who want to talk you out of your problems. They want to tell you, well, it's because, you know, when you were young and you had this conflict with your parents, and when they got all this, this sort of stuff. We had a little conversation about that uh, one of the recent Wednesday night services about overcoming fear. How many know that there's a lot of counselors out there that have all kinds of things to tell you to get out of fear? And they'll get you doing this, and they'll get you working on this, and they'll get you working on that. And so this is one of the reasons I picked this um, video that's coming out tomorrow. 11 o'clock tomorrow will come out on Facebook. If you, need, uh, if you don't get on Facebook and you want it uh, texted to you, just let me know. I have a list. I'm making it up. Put it on there. We send it out to them, them folks as well. But we tried out a new trick on this one. 
Haven't done this before. Found out I could do it, and so we tried out a new trick. This is a two-and-a-half-hour service. And so the teaching starts up about one hour and 16 minutes. So if you click on the link that I sent you in Facebook, you will start where uh, Brother Rick Renner says, open your Bibles too. <laughs> and you'll skip all the other stuff. I saw I could do this. Oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to try this one out. So I tested it out and it worked perfectly. I hit that link and it goes right to one hour, 16 minutes, and he just says, open your Bibles too. And everything else is cut. Now, if you want to go back to all the other stuff, you can just rewind it. But you, if you just want the teaching part, it's there. And he talks about fear and how to overcome it. The quote came in the bulletin came from that. There was also another one that, um, that came from there that I, I didn't put in the bulletin because I only put one in there time. And he said this, if you are afraid of your future, you are just forgetting your past. Now, listen to the teaching, you'll find out why he says that. It was a, it was a very good teaching, it's a very new one. He will tell you a story on there that he was basically under house arrest. Doesn't tell you all the ins and outs about it, but it's a, it's a good story. You will enjoy hearing it. He's been able to get out and and come along, so this is his first visit to the States in a while. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. There's people in the world out there that are going to try and tell you all these natural things that you need to do to get over your problems. When most times the Word of God just says it's a decision on our part. You decide to believe. You decide not to fear. You decide to trust God. You decide not to worry. You decide not to be anxious. When the, the way the, the word approaches it, it's a decision on my part. The way the world approaches it, it's a decision that's been forced upon you. That's the difference between God's wisdom and the, and the world's. He says that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. There's a whole lot of Christians don't know all the things that God has given them seems like a whole lot of Christians have totally forgotten that God gave us healing. Authority over sickness and disease. seems like Christians all over have forgotten that a thousand may fall at your right side and ten thousand at your left. But it shall not come near you. It seems that we've forgotten those things. That we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How many Christians are out there and they speak the exact same words as the news people on TV? Christians. The world's going to do this, I know. it, But Christians are speaking the exact same things that the news people on TV are saying. Those unsaved, heathen, satanic people on the news. You might guess I don't have a whole lot of respect for them. <laughs> they speak the same things as some politicians. They speak the same things as some doctors who will not rely on the wisdom of God, but rely on the wisdom of men. Our wisdom is supposed to transcend what they know and what they can understand. They won't be able to see the wisdom in what God has shown you. God can tell you this is how you fix your problem. You can go to these people and say, this is what God said, all oh, that will never work. Don't consult them. I don't look to consult people on what God tells me to do. If God says, do this, oh, all right. I don't run a by on the un unsaved people. 
You just don't do it. They cannot see the wisdom of God. Remember what Paul's been saying? The wisdom of God is like foolishness. 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. How many times is he driving this point home? There is a worldly wisdom, there's a godly wisdom. We don't speak to you in the words of worldly wisdom. We speak to you words of godly wisdom. But beware, there are people out there who will speak to you as if by God, as if, and it will be worldly wisdom. He says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. If I remain carnal in my Christian walk and never tap into the spiritual aspects of my Christian walk, how am I going to compare spiritual with spiritual? That's why it's imperative that we grow. You need to grow. We mentioned it to you last week. If, if I never grow out of spiritual immaturity and carnality, what are the odds, what are the chances that in the end, when I get to heaven, I will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That should be enough motivation to get you going. Because we all want to hear those words. But if I remain carnal, and if I remain spiritually mature, how in the world am I going to be able to see that? When you have an immature child, how many have little immature children that you have access to, three years old, four years old, five years old maybe? And they want to come in and help you. How many have ever had a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old come in and help you? How many would classify their help as invaluable? <laughs> Most times, it takes us more work to get them to help us than if we just did it by ourselves. <laughs> but we include them because it's fun. And we enjoy the interaction. And that's the only way they're going to learn how to do it. And to be a help. So God is looking down upon us, carnal, spiritually mature, and we're trying to help. It's the same way. But we're not going to get a, well done, good and faithful servant. But that's what I want to hear. So I'm going to keep on pressing in to get, become mature. I'm going to keep feeding on meat. And I want none of, none of that milk stuff. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We've got to get to the point where we can spiritually discern that is not of God. More Christians should have been able to stand up, and when Dr. Fauci got up and spatted out all his stuff all these years, they should have been able to say, that is not of God. Should have been able to say it right off the bat, that is not of God. And there's been many other health people who get up. You should be able to say, nope, that is not of God. Because the spiritual aspect of me knows that is carnal. It knows that is worldly. I'm not, I don't know exactly what the, the right thing is here, but I know that is wrong. And we just don't go after it. We should be in that place. But, uh, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged um, by no one. He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 
well, the world's not going to come across and judge you. Well, that's right. Oh, I tell you, that's, that's, that's right. No, they won't. Lester Summerall tells the story. How many remember heard the, the story of the girl bitten by demons? Anybody remember hearing that story? One, two, three, four, five, six. Maybe a half dozen people, huh? Wow. Lester Summerall tells the story that turned the entire nation of the Philippines around by one case of demonic possession. And tells a story in the in the book. I've heard I heard him tell it firsthand. I was in the room, and he's telling it. And in the, in the book is going, "Oh, wait a minute." He he added this detail. It wasn't in the book. He added this detail. <laughs> and I, wait a minute, he said this too. I can still remember forty some years ago. I still remember being in the room and him telling us the stories of when he was over there. He changed the entire course of the nation. He got to a place of not having favor, not being able to build churches, to the place where the mayor of the city said, whatever you need, I will sign for it. Because he went in and took care of this case of this person who every time that she would curse somebody, they died. And the nation was afraid. And he says, I'll go get her. Well, we can't have an American die on our soil. That's okay, I won't die. <laughs> oh, man, what a battle, though. That was something else. And this, this woman, she was in the room and screaming out in pain because these demon spirits were biting her. And she's in a room by herself, locked up. No one can get there, and bite marks would just appear on her skin, bleeding from underneath the skin. Documented. They had everybody in there they could, spiritists, doctors, all kinds of people. No one could help her. He came in and says, I'm going to go over there and take care of this. And he did. Quite a story. See, that's the power of God. They can argue with your words. They can't argue with the power of God. And it turned that entire nation around. Enough on that right now. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Are we going to instruct God? I don't know the mind of God. The Spirit knows the mind of God. The Spirit reveals it to me. How in the world can I judge what God is doing? Can't do it. But we have the mind of Christ. Our mind is supposed to be renewed on the things of God. That's where we need to go. If I constantly yield to hearing things contrary to God, my hearing will not be refined or matured. If I constantly yield to hearing things contrary to God, my hearing will not be refined or matured. I'm not talking about anybody here in this room, pretty sure. But there's other Christians in other places that are constantly hearing things about sickness, things about disease that are contrary to the things of God. They're hearing things about men and women that are contrary to the things of God. They're hearing things that God made you wrong. And it needs to be, be fixed. Well, if you, get in, if you listen to the, the Rick Renner message, he will tell you some things that happened in the days of Rome that you will be amazed because you thought it was unique to us. He tells a story uh, about a particular event that I'm sure everyone here knows that happened in Rome. I heard it a little differently, but I know how Rick researches these things, and um, I'll go with, with what he, he had. I'll, I'll change how I said the origin of the fire of Rome was. But... 
put this here at the end for you. If a Christian's speech sounds more like those of the world than the word of God, then their source is likely the same. Our speech should sound different from the world. If it does not sound different from the world, then what is our source? I loved it when uh, Rush and other people would, they would do these things. They would do these montages. And he, he came out with them. So I think two or three times a week, he would come out with these montages. And it was just, he'd just do them in a 24-hour period and captured 30 to 40 news people using exactly the same phraseology, the same strange words. I believe he first started this off when they had the description of a vice presidential candidate and they described him as having gravitas. Anybody remember that? I believe that was the first one. And he had 30 to 40 people who all used the word I had never even heard of before. On the same day. What does that mean? They're probably getting something from the same source. And it keeps on going on today. The, day, the very next day, people will come out and they will all describe an event exactly the same. Why? Because their source is the same. But see, our source is God. And our speech should sound like the Word of God. It should sound like faith in God. It should sound like the power of God. It should not sound like the defeat that the world has. I put this in your outline for you. The more I yield to instead of resist the wisdom of the world, the more I will walk in spiritual immaturity and not be able to hear the wisdom of God. You've got to resist the wisdom of the world. I've resisted with everything in me. As soon as the news people, as soon as I hear the news people have said something, I resist it. Before I even look it up, I resist it. I'm not believing that. Instantly, I resist anything any news person says anywhere. I don't care if they're on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, ABC, CBS, you name it. I don't care. If a news person said it, I resist it. If I need to, I'll research it and let the Spirit of God tell me there's truth right there. And I'll believe that. Now, it might be that they stumble upon truth every now and then, but I'm going to resist it. I don't even believe a sportscaster. If they told me that the Dallas Cowboys lost, I want to wait to rejoice until I read about it, or I see it, or I find out someone from Jerry Jones stands up and says, yeah, we lost that game. All right, now I know that they lost. The weather people come out and say it's going to snow tomorrow. Resist. Practice resisting. The more I yield to it, the more I don't resist the wisdom of the world the more I will not recognize the wisdom of God. Same is true for those who act like the world. If you want to act like the world, say the things of the world, do the things of the world, you're going to be ending up believing like the world. And you're going to have the world's problems. But you see, I want to have God's peace. I want to have God's power. I want to have God's wisdom. If I want to have those things, I need to act like God, not the world. If I'm going to act like the world, I'm going to have what the world has to give. What kind of peace does the world have to give? What kind of power does the world have to give? I'm not saying they don't have any power, but they don't have any power compared to God. And they don't have power that's lasting. What kind of wealth does the world have to give? They have wealth, 
but not compared to God. What do you want? Here in this chapter, he's basically comparing, here's the world's stuff, here's God's stuff. Which one are you going to pursue? Which one are you going to hang on to? Because whichever one you do will have long-lasting implications. If you hang on to the things of the world, you will continue to be carnal and spiritually immature. You may get to heaven, but it's not likely you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'd rather go on the side of God. I want to hear His wisdom. I want to feed on the meat of God's Word. I want to go after the things that, that will expand me and grow me. Because what wisdom I can understand this year, I couldn't understand five years ago. I couldn't understand last year. But I've grown. You've grown. We're able to all walk in more wisdom. But you've got to be walking in the things of God. You've got to shun the things of the world. You may get along in this world better if you decide the girls and boys could be either one they wanted to choose to be. Maybe you'll get along with the world better. Maybe people won't ostracize you or, or put you down. Maybe if you, if you go on and say that homosexuality, homosexuality is not a sin of the Word of God, maybe you can go around and say that. I cannot. Because that's what my Bible tells me. And I go with what the Word of God says. Because if I side with God, I'll go stay on the side of growing and maturing. If I get into the side of the world, if I speak the words of the, of the world, I'm not going to have that. How many Christians are out there spouting the things that a Dr. Fauci and a Dr. This and spouting those exact same things and then claiming they want the wisdom of God? No. Nope. The same fountain cannot give both bitter and sweet water. You better decide what side you're going to be on. I know what side you all decided to be on. That's why you're here. Stand up with me if you would. Glory to God. Father, I thank you that your wisdom is growing in us, that we are growing in the things of God. We are maturing. The things that scare this world will not scare us. The things that cause them apprehension will not cause us apprehension. They may talk about financial chaos, financial woes, but we listen to our spirit. And when our spirit tells us to invest in this or stock this up or do this, we do it because the Spirit of God told us. And when we do what the Spirit of God tells us, we have peace. We have joy. I thank you, Father, for those things. You will continue to move us along, bring us into the wisdom of God, grow us up. And I thank you for it, Father. Help us as we speak the things of God to others. Can't speak the wisdom of God to everyone. Can't speak the deep things of God to everyone that's out there. But we can speak some things. Paul came into this town and he found some things that he could he could speak. And he found some things that he could do in the power of God. And he established a church that would impact this world Father you can help us plant seeds and establish things where we work in our neighborhood in our families the people that we know we will lean upon you and we will be careful about the things that we speak and the things that we recite we need to only speak in the wisdom of God. It will change us if we do. I give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Glory to God. Well, thanks all for joining us here this morning. Have a great rest of your day. Before you get out of here, take a look at the people that are around you. Decide to be a blessing to them. Make the same decision. And you go other places.